You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. classic ones with couples that I've counseled that are living together and I say you need to purify the relationship and not just purify the relationship you need to live uh, not like you're living because you're living as if you were married and you're not married and by the way it's a cultural thing in our day it's crazy but if you think because it's a cultural thing it's okay for you and you know Christ you're just wrong you've deceived yourself and then when I say well you need to move out you need to move out and I'll say we financially we can't afford it That's their iron cherry. We can't do that. One of the oldest tricks of the enemy is to get us to doubt God's word. Satan whispers in our ear like he did with Eve those four fateful words. Did God really say? In today's message, Pastor Danny admonishes us to never compromise on following the Lord's instructions in his word. When God says no, he means no. Abba Father gives us commandments out of his great love for us. When we disobey him, we not only compromise our unpolluted fellowship with God, but we also set ourselves up for painful consequences. Now here's Pastor Danny with part two of his message, Faith to Go Further, from the book of Joshua, chapters 15 to 17. One day when Aksa came to Othniel, she urged him, now her, her husband, to ask her father for a field. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? And she replied, do me a special favor. Since you've given me land in the Negev, dry, extreme south, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. Now, I'm not trying to read too much into it, but let me just pause for just a minute before we move on and say here is the father, Caleb, the daughter, the bride, Aksa, and she's married to a warrior, a deliverer. That'll preach. I'm married, and if you know Jesus, you're married to Jesus. We are the bride of Christ, and he's a warrior, and he's our deliverer. And because of your relationship now with Jesus, when your lot in life goes south, it's dry, it's desert, it's lonely, you fill in the blank. You ask the Father. Jesus said to the woman at the well, You drink this water, you're going to get thirsty again. But the water I offer you will become wells from deep eternal life. One of the first things you learn in this text is you hit a dry time. If you really have a relationship with Jesus, go to the Father. He'll give you what you need. He longs to give you what you need. 
Our relationship with the Father is the key. Uh, and of course, you can't have a relationship with the Father without a relationship to Jesus. Now, a little side note, and we are going to move on. Psalm 66, verse 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If my relationship with my Father or my Deliverer is not what it ought to be, the Lord's going to say, well, you know, I want to give you what you need, but you don't understand the dry time in your life is directly related, perhaps, perhaps, to something you need to do. Maybe you went south from the Lord. Now, one of the great mistakes the Israelites made in the land of promise was, well, let's just read it. Chapter 16, verse 4. So Manasseh and Ephraim, the descendants of Joseph, received their inheritance, their lot. But you get to verse 10 of chapter 16, and here's what it says. I've underlined this whole verse. They did not dislodge the Canaanites living in Gezer. To this day, the Canaanites live among the people of Ephraim, but are required to do forced labor. Chapter 17, verse 11. Within Issachar and Asher, Manasseh also had Bethshan and all these cities. Then you get to verse 12. Yeah, the Manassites were not able to occupy these towns, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. However, when the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor. They made them their slaves, but did not drive them out completely. This was a huge mistake. It's compromise. When you do get to the book of Judges, and let me just read Judges chapter 2, because of this compromise that they did not correct, you read in chapter 2 of Judges, the angel of the Lord, that's Christ, went up from Gilgal and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I'll never break my covenant with you and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you've disobeyed me. Why have you done this? Now, therefore, I tell you that I will not drive them out before you. They will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you. A thorn in your side is a constant irritation. And a snare keeps you from advancement. Are you with me? Constant irritation And you don't move on. No more advancement. Compromise, one definition is accepting standards lower than desirable. Now I have a question. Very important question. Why did they compromise? Why did they allow the enemy to remain in their territory? When the command was drive them out. Break down their altars. Destroy them. Why did they compromise? Several possible reasons. When you compromise, it means you no longer have to fight that particular battle. Now, we're not talking about people that have not made a commitment to the Lord. We're talking about people who've crossed the Jordan. They've experienced the blessing of God. But now, in order to go further, the enemy has set up a stronghold. And here's an area, here's an area where, where it's going to take something. The enemy's not just going to say, oh, oh, yeah, God gave it to you. Here you go. No, no, no. They are determined. And hell plans and schemes, well, they made it this far, but we're going to stop them here. I mean, they they made the decision to go back to church, but we're going to make sure they don't get really blessed. You don't have to fight that particular battle. 
when you compromise. You say, I made this decision or that decision, and I have, I have come somewhere, I've advanced, I've gone further, but now if you're going to keep going further, more battles to fight. Let me tell you another possible reason for compromise here. Listen to this one carefully. They benefited from making the enemy forced labor. They benefited. I thought about this one. The boyfriend doesn't know Jesus. He's religious. But you know. You know in your heart of hearts. He really does. He really not saved. And maybe he even comes to church with you. Or you flip it around. That, that girl, she, yeah, she, she believes in God. But you know in your heart of hearts, she really doesn't know Jesus. But to totally break it off, that'd be hard, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be like plucking out an eye or cutting off a hand. Uh, that would be, that would be real. Or that'd be a sacrifice, wouldn't it? And yet that's what God wants you to do. And you make a decision. Yeah, and maybe you've fallen. Maybe, maybe it's been an impure relationship and it's easy to do. I mean, we're human. It's easy to do. But maybe you say, now, now, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put things under control. And there's the forced labor. You let them stay and you say, I got it under control now. And you benefit because you don't have to sever the relationship. But you've compromised. You cut back on the drinking, but you don't get of all the you don't get rid of the excess liquor in your house. So I'll just cut back. You're going to limit the number of pills you take, but not the limit. You're not going to limit what you have access to. You're going to determine you won't go to that site anymore, but you're not going to confess it to some other brother or sister that can hold you accountable. That's compromise. You're not really serious about it, and that's, that's compromise. I'll tell you another reason I thought of. Some people, some people now, it doesn't fit the text, and yet it's not a violation of the Scripture. Some people are just satisfied with as far as they've come. Well, I made this decision. We're going back to church, and, you know, we made some right decisions. But wait a minute, though. You really want to just stop there and say, well, this is okay right here. We don't want to go any further. I don't want to get really radical about this Jesus thing. I mean, we're back in church, we believe in God, we believe in Jesus, but I mean, we don't want to, you know, don't want to go too far. And some people are just satisfied. Even Paul the Apostle. I mean, you talk about a guy uh, that's an example, example of a follower of Christ. And he even said, follow me as I follow Christ. I mean, what a statement to be able to make. And yet notice what he wrote in Philippians chapter 3. After, in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. And then he says, verse 12, not that I already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What was that? To be like him in every way. The goal is perfection. I understand. I understand we won't make it until we see Jesus and get a body that doesn't have sin dwelling in the members. But that's still the goal. You don't use that as an excuse and say, well, I know I'm never going to be perfect until I get there, so I'll just take a toke. Because you don't understand. I need it. 
Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to give you one more thing I thought about as to why compromise, why compromise. And here's one more thought, and maybe you'll think of more. They became convinced that they couldn't go any further. I mean, this is a place the enemy has a stronghold, a stronghold. And I have met people, and they go, I don't have any control over it. Now, there is some truth there, because pornography, pornography can grab you. And the sin of pornography can grab you, and it will hold you. It will hold you. And not just that sin, but that one, very powerful. Very powerful. I mean, romance is powerful too, isn't it? I mean, you're in a relationship, you're in love, but it's not a relationship that's honoring to the Lord, and you know you're out of the will of God, and yet, man, it's so powerful. I understand that. I'm human. And some people are just convinced, I can't do it. I can't do I can't win this. I can't go any further. Joshua chapter 17, verse 14. Right after, when the Manassites were not able to occupy these towns, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. And then verse 14. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, we, we've, we have, why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We're numerous. And the Lord has blessed us abundantly. Now, let me paraphrase that. You haven't given us what we need to really be blessed. This is the land of promise. You have not given us what we really need. How are we going to go any further? You haven't given us what we need. And here's the answer. Verse 15. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land for yourselves. They're in the land of the parasites. And the Rephaites. Now, folks, pause here a minute. Let me tell you something. This is classic Christian counseling 101. They come and they say, we don't have what we need. And they come to Joshua, their pastor, if you will. We don't have what we need. And Joshua says, wait a minute. Well, okay, then go here and do this. And here's the answer. Verse 16. The people of Joseph replied to the council, the hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who live in the plain have iron chariots. In other words, that's an inadequate answer. And by the way, how are we going to go up against iron chariots? We can't do that. Both in Bashan, its settlements, and in those in the valley of Jezreel. Classic. Christian Counseling 101. And I've done a lot of it. I got this need. I don't know what to do. Okay, here's what you do. I don't understand. And they give, you, they give you the reasons why. They can't do that. One of the classic ones with couples that I've counseled that are living together. And I say you need to purify the relationship and not just purify the relationship. You need to live uh, not like you're living because you're living as if you were married and you're not married. And by the way, that's a cultural thing in our day. Just crazy. But if you think because of the cultural thing, it's okay for you and you know Christ, you're just wrong. You've deceived yourself. And then when I say, well, you need to move out. You need to move out. 
And I'll say, we, financially, we can't afford it. That's their iron cherry. We can't do that. And they hate it when I say, well, come live in my backyard. <laughs> it's a nice backyard. You can buy your own tent. I'll chip in. If you're really needy, the church will buy you a tent. The council comes. The response is, you don't understand. We can't do that. And then finally, verse 17. But Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you're numerous and very powerful. You'll have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Clear it. And its farthest limits will be yours. Everything you need is there for the taking. Though the Canaanites have iron chariots and though they are strong, you can drive them out. And you could put that final counsel into two points and boy, are they practical. And the first point is this. You got to do some work. And if you're willing to do the work, God will take care of the iron chariots. It is correct that humanly speaking, they could not go up against iron chariots. But the battle is the Lord's. And here's what it comes down to. What do you need to do? I'm including me. What do we need to do to go further in your Christian walk? What do you need to do? You're in a dry time, you better learn how to pray. And if you'll learn how to pray, God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God will transcend understanding. It won't make sense. But you learn how to get on your face before God in the dry times. And you learn how to pray. And you'll meet God. And He'll meet you. And you'll get what you need. He'll give you the water. Just like He gave to Aksa and Othniel. Whose lot was in the extreme south. <laughs> and all she had to do is come to the Father and say, Father, you've given us this lot in life. We're going to need something to sustain us. And he'll give you what you need. You know what some of us need? And this is, this is, if you're going to really follow Jesus, if you're going to really go on and really go further, you're going to have to give up your independence. You know the people I find hard, some of the times the hardest people to, to, to do this are people that have their own businesses. I'm not trying to knock people that have their own business. I'm just saying that you're used to calling the shots. I read December 9th in my utmost for his highest. Very few of us debate with the sordid and evil and wrong. In other words, the obvious wrong. But we do debate with the good. It is the good that hates the best. And the higher up you get in the scale, the natural virtues, the more intense is the opposition to Jesus Christ. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh. It's going to cost the natural in you everything, not something. Jesus said, if any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself. His right to himself. And a man has to realize who Jesus Christ is before he will do it. Beware of refusing to go to the funeral of your own independence. Let me read it again. Beware of refusing to go to the funeral of your own independence. I love what someone said to me not too awful long ago. The Christian life. If you're going to really live the Christian life, you're going to have to write an obituary. To the self-life. Sometimes it's not. 
the obvious sin that you've given up. Maybe you, maybe you purified your life from sexual sin. Maybe you purified your life from the, from the addiction. Uh, maybe you're not doing what you used to do and you're regularly attending church and maybe, maybe even in a small group. But you're guarding what you want to do when you want to do it and how you want to do it. And if you're going to go further, you got to get on the altar. Then you're going to have to get on the altar again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Oh, Lord, lead me. Oh, Lord, guide me. My life is not my own. There's no independence in discipleship. My last point. I know it hasn't been alliterative, so it's. But I hope you get the point. You have to realize that faith and works are inseparable. Faith and works are inseparable. You go clear the forest. Whatever the obstacle is in your way, you have to do something before God can do what He will do. It's all throughout the Bible. Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with the first fruits. You got a financial need? Are you honoring God with the first fruits? Honor the Lord with the first fruits. That's Proverbs 3, 9. But guess what verse 10 is? Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. He says it in Malachi, test me in this. You bring the first fruits, you bring the tithe. You bring off the top of every paycheck and you watch if I won't throw open the windows of heaven, but you have to do the first before God can do his part. God's not going to say, I'm going to change that. And this time, you know, I'm just going to make you an exception because, you know, you're different than everybody else. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. You know what he says after that? So make every effort to add to your faith knowledge. It's a seeking to know. It's something I can't do for you and nobody else can do for you. You have to do it for yourself. Add to your faith self-control. It's something I can't do for you. No amount of counseling is going to be able to do that for you. You're going to have to come to a place that you're going to have to make a decision. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I'm not running aimlessly. I'm in a race to win the prize for eternity. I don't fight like I'm just shadow boxing. I'm in it to win it. And then he says, so I beat my body. I beat. He's not just going around beating his body literally. He's making his body subject to the Holy Spirit living within him. And disciplining his life. First Thessalonians, we have to learn to control our bodies in a way that's holy and honorable. And I can't do that for you. And your parents can't do it. And your wife can't do it. And your husband can't do it. I warned you in the beginning, I may yell at you. I'm yelling at you. <laughs> Nobody can do it for me but me. I make the decision to get up early. I make the decision, whether I feel like it or not, to get into this book. You say, well, I'm just not wired that way. You're lying to yourself. If I can do it, you can do it. Anybody can do it. But you got to want it. And you got to stop making excuses as to why you can. And that's the message. The 
The children of Israel had traveled miles to reach the land that God had promised them, and their time of waiting was finally reaching an end. Their leader had changed, their numbers had changed, but their creator and deliverer had not. God was with them in the wilderness and would be with them as they entered the promised land. Just as God was with the Israelites long ago, He's also with you today. He's been by your side through every trial and every triumph, and He promises to be your strength and guide in all that's still to come. So step forward in faith, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of The Living Word. Pastor Danny Hodges will return soon with another message from the book of Joshua. But in the meantime, you can access more teachings from the Word of God by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click Sermons to be directed to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way, you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. Are you listening in the St. Petersburg area right now? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. We gather on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. And your presence would be such a blessing to us. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Once more, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks again for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us next time on The Living Word.